Alright, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash ringslore, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash ringslore, expressvpn.com slash ringslore to learn more. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. When we left off last time, the Iluvatar had given the Ainur a vision of the world, of Ea. And that's the word for the world. And in that vision, the entire history of the world had played out. Everybody's part, including Melkor, all wrapped up in this wonderful vision, complete. And the Einar were, were floored by this. In fact, in the Silmarillion, it talks about how previously they had only heard, but for the first time they saw. It was as if he awoke in them another sense that they never had before. And then in the next set of passages we get introduced some new characters. He specifically calls out three of the Ainur, who are soon to become the Valar. And we have a change in, in names. And, and this is something that Tolkien does. Whenever there is a, a difference to be made, because names are very important for Tolkien. And this is something that has been reinforced to me recently. I have spent a good amount of time in research for this show, going back and watching a lot of interviews with J.R.R. Tolkien in the 1960s uh, with him. And then also with Christopher Tolkien. And if you aren't aware, Christopher Tolkien is J.R.R. Tolkien's son. He is the person responsible for, pouring over the vast amount of documents that were left after 
J.R.R. Tolkien's death in 1973, when we had basically The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings had been published already, but this background of work, The Lost Tales, The Silmarillion, all of these other stories hadn't been published yet. They were not out for us to consume. We basically had the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit and the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. These little glimpses into this world that I'm describing. And Christopher Tolkien took the time to go through all of this in order to put it together into one large book the Silmarillion for us to be able to, to take a look at. And then later on actually work together a bunch of other documentation of all the varied retellings. And in his own words, in a interview in 1997, he said that his father actually had three versions of the Silmarillion, but I digress. In an interview in 1963, Tolkien answered one of the interviewer's questions about language, about words specifically. And he said that the names always come first. That if given a name, the name tells a story. And that was about characters. But I think that that also applied for titles, for words that describe who a person is or what their title is. And in this case, it makes sense. While these powers, while these spirits were outside of creation, were in the void with the Iluvatar, they were the Ainur. But once they accepted creation itself and governance of that creation, they became the Valar their titles changed because their roles changed because the word had meaning. And this is how Tolkien's mind worked. And in order to understand this creation, we have to understand how his mind works. And I'm going to get into this more in more detail in the extended extra episode content like I mentioned in the last episode. So I'm not going to go too much into this. I want to focus more on the actual details in this part of the, the episode. So more on that later if you are a patron subscriber. So the word Vala, Vala is singular, Valar is plural, means angelic power or mightiness, powerful. It is a word that denotes status and in this section of the Silmarillion, we, we are introduced to the first three of the main powers. And that's what this episode is going to be about, are these first three other powers than Melkor, because we've already been introduced to Melkor, which is interesting to me. We're given this group, the Ainur and Melkor, and now we're distinctly being introduced to three others other than the troublemaker, the greatest among them who sows discord. And the first that we're introduced to is Manway. 
And Manway, we are told, is in the eyes of Iluvatar, seen as the brother of Melkor. He is the king of the Valar. His domain is the sky, the air, the breath of Arda. And now we have another change in name. It's not just Ea, the creation. It's Arda, the earth, the world. And Manwe itself, the word Manwe, means blessed one. His name means blessed one. It doesn't actually have anything to do with the air or wind or the sky. Manwe is the king of the Valar because he is the most blessed. He is the one who best understands the will of Iluvatar. He is the one who is closest to the will, closest to the mind of Iluvatar, of all the Valar, of all the Ainur. He is the one who is most in line with the knowledge. And when you think about this, there, there's kind of like a height thing that's going on here. And this, this is another one of those themes that shows up in Tolkien's work, the importance of towers, of height. And this is another one of those topics that came up in one of these interviews I was listening to. Well, the interviewer asked and said, is this, is this a common theme? Is, is uh, height in towers and buildings proportionate or representative of importance and power in your world. And Tolkien thought about it for a second and he was like, well, maybe. And he kind of thought about it because you think about the Lord of the Rings, you have all of these towers and you have all of these large buildings and even, even the cities themselves are often scaled up. And he thought about it and he was like, well, I think they make for good set pieces but they aren't necessarily representative of the most powerful. You know, for example, Elrond doesn't live in a big high tower, um, but it, it does have some bearing on it because later on we come to find out that Manway does live on the top of a mountain and being up high in the sky is in some ways closer to the heavens and so closer to, you know, the, the mind of God, that kind of thing. So there is a little bit of symbolism there, but when we're going to get to this a little bit later, that's probably drawn from other inspiration than it is something that was inherently baked into the, the idea itself. Um, but that's neither here nor there. So Manway, first character that we're introduced to and seen as the brother of Melkor. And I think that this is an interesting distinction. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure why that was something that Tolkien felt the need to work into this because he's, he's not all powerful or at least not, maybe not all powerful is the best way to say it. He's not, multi-talented the way that Melkor is. He's different than Melkor. He's also not 
as powerful as Melkor is, even though he is the king of the Valar and the most in line with what Iluvatar wants. And on top of that, if all of them come from the mind of Iluvatar, wouldn't they all be siblings? So this is one of those interesting notes that I find kind of peculiar about Tolkien's description of Manwe and Melkor, the fact that they are brothers. I find that interesting. Maybe that was a distinction to mean that they were close or they they came out of his mind at a similar time that they were both in origin together. Maybe um, some of these Valar are paired up as spouses. So maybe that was a distinction to say that a lot of them aren't seen as siblings in order to make another kind of distinction. I'm not sure about that. I would love to hear some of your thoughts on that. If you want to log into the Robots Radio Discord and share what you might think that means, that would be really cool. So Manway's the first that we get, but we also have two more. And the other two make sense when you pair them with the sky. We have Olmo, who is known for being associated with water. Olmo, meaning pourer or rainer. He has to do with the water, the seas, the rain. And when paired with Manwe, and this is a really, really cool passage, the the things that come to mind here in Olmo's imagination and um, in, in his vision of what's going on in this. And they, they haven't actually come into the world yet in this passage that we are, we're kind of moving through the text here. And I'm going to quote this out. Then Olmo answered, truly water is become now fairer than my heart imagined. Neither had my secret thought conceived the snowflake, nor in all my music was contained the falling of the rain. I will seek Manway that he and I may make melodies forever to my delight. And Manwe and Olmo have from the beginning been allied and in all things have served most faithfully the purpose of Iluvatar. So remember in the earlier passage in last week's episode, we talked about how each individually were singing their songs and then they began to pair up and they began to listen and understand each other and work together in harmony. This idea that the air and now also water would work together. So what happens when you combine water and air? Will you end up with things like rain or snow? And this is such a beautiful pairing of these two things. But then you also end up with other pairings as well. So you have Olmo, who represents water, and then you also have Aule, who represents making things. Now, I... I I bet you thought I was going to say land. And yes, he represents the land and this. It's basically the substance of creation. And yes, land is part of that, but it's more than that. It's the substance. It's the 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 materials. Think of it as the the creative properties of the world. And what's interesting about Aule is that 
in the Iluvatar's mind, Aule and Melkor also have a lot in common in the fact that they are both makers. So in the concept of the world, when you think about making or crafting, then think of it as like the construction of continents, mountains, hills, valleys, those kinds of things, the crafting of the earth itself. But even more than that, you have the crafting of other things, the making of almost anything that comes to mind would be under the guise of somebody like Aule or Melkor. Melkor himself is very much a maker, but he's more of the kind of maker who takes other people's things and turns them to his own desires. So now we have these three Valar who are mentioned in the text in the Silmarillion and also Melkor. And there's this discussion here between the three of them and the Iluvatar, and they are basically foaming at the mouth with anticipation over this creation because they are seeing for the first time the thing that they've been hearing and how beautiful it is and how their parts play into it. And it's as if the Iluvatar is going, okay, here's the plans that I've laid out. Here are your parts, the things that you've been adding in and what they actually look like throughout all of time. Here is the grand scope of my entire plan and your contributions to it. Isn't it beautiful? And they're going, this is amazing. And then he goes, okay, you can go do this. And they're like, what? (laughs) And he's like, no, you can, you can go do this, but you have to go into the world And you have to stay there until it is all complete. So this wouldn't be much of a story if they didn't take Iluvatar up on his offer. So, of course, they decide, yeah, we're going in and Melkor, too. In fact, he's one of the first to say, yes, uh, I'm going I'm going in. And Iluvatar knows that that's what he's going to choose to do. And he's designed it. He's designed for this to happen. That's how the music works. Remember in the last episode, every time. Melkor tried to mess with the melodies. The Iluvatar changed and altered the melodies and the harmonies in order to compensate. And so he knows he knows the plan. And before they go in, he meets with them, with the Einar, the Valar, in order to make sure that they understand and that they have full guidance on his thoughts, but he doesn't reveal to them everything. He tells them enough for them to understand what they need to know, but he doesn't reveal to them everything. And 
he tells them that there will be moments where he will still intervene. He also lets them know about his children, the children of Iluvatar, the elves and men, the firstborn and the followers. And these are things that previously hadn't shown up in the music at all. These were secrets held close to Iluvatar's chest. He didn't tell them about them until he showed them the visions. And even then, he didn't reveal everything in the visions. And the, the Valar were, were amazed by this. And they found the children to be beautiful because it revealed even more of the Iluvatar's mind than they had even known before. It gave them even more of a glimpse of their father, their creator, than they had yet known, which they found to be beautiful. And they yearned for these children. They wanted to make the world the place for these children to exist, to grow up. But the Iluvatar would not tell them when the, when the children were going to arrive. He simply said, go and make the world a place for them. Make it ready. And in Melkor's mind, he had other ideas for what to do with the children. But we'll get to that later. So when everything was ready, when the Valar were ready, or the Einar were ready to become the Valar, to move into the world, they descended into Ea, into Arda. And they found that they were at the very beginning of time. And they were, they were confused for a moment. Because they had just watched the entire history of everything play out. And yet here they were at the beginning of everything. And it looked nothing like what they just saw. Because they were at basically a blank slate. Nothing had been done yet. And then they remembered, oh yeah, we have to do everything. So they began to work. Manway, Aule, Omo, creating the seas, the land, the skies, and Melkor. And we get a callback to the themes in the music. Do you remember this in the last episode? The first theme, and then Melkor messes with it, and Iluvatar smiles. And then the second theme, and then Melkor messes with it, and Iluvatar looks more grim. Well, this first theme is right here at the beginning. And they start to create. And it's not just the three of them. It's all of the Valar. And there are 14 of them. And we're going to go into the rest of who they are in future episodes. But it's the main three here who are most active in this first theme. And Melkor. So we have the creation of Earth. Water. Sounds like a 1990s uh, cartoon. But they're creating things. And then Melkor now with fire is burning and setting things aflame. And they don't like this very much. <laughs> and we now move into the second theme here. All of a sudden we're, we're transitioning already from the first theme in the 
endless ages of the early stages of the world. And who knows how long this first theme of the world went on for it. It doesn't take very much lines <laughs> in the actual work itself in the Silmarillion to get from the first theme to the second. But it may have been millennia of this just creating and them just taking time to figure out how to make the earth at all. And if you actually think about like what we know about science and history, who knows, this could have been like billions of years of just making stuff. But yeah, so they're, they're making stuff and there's lots of fire and Melkor's burning things, heating it up, lots of chaos. And we get this callback to now moving into the second theme and the Iluvatar wielding his primary instrument of his second theme, Manway, in order to adjust what is going on with Melkor. And we're told that for a time, Melkor recedes. He's pushed away. He goes off somewhere, who knows where, off to some part of the world far away. And finally, the Valar are able to stabilize things and create a foundation of a world that is much more stable and less on fire is basically the image here that we are given. And the, the conflict here between Melkor and Manways is pretty cool. I want to read this section of the Silmarillion for you because Tolkien's words are so well chosen and I think sometimes he even makes up some words and maybe it's just the, I mean, it's not old English, but the older English or the more British English that he uses. I don't know. But here, just listen to this passage. But when the Valar entered into Ea, they were at first astounded and at a loss, for it was as if naught was yet made which they had seen in vision, and all was but on point to begin, and yet unshaped, and it was dark. For the great music had been but the growth and flowering of thought in the tuneless halls, and the vision only a foreshadowing, but now they had entered in at the beginning of time. And the Valar perceived that the world had been but foreshadowed and foresung, and they must achieve it. So began their great labors in wastes unmeasured and unexplored, and in ages uncounted and forgotten, until in the deeps of time, and that is capitalized, deeps of time, and in the midst of the vast halls of Ea, there came to be that hour and that place where was made the habitation of the children of Iluvatar. And in this work, their chief part was taken by Manwe and Aule and Olmo. But Melkor too was there from the first, and he meddled in all that was done, turning it, if he might, to his own desires and purposes. And he kindled great fires. When therefore earth was yet young and full of flame, Melkor coveted it. And he said to the other Valar, this shall be my own kingdom, and I name it unto myself. But Manwe was the brother of Melkor in the mind of Iluvatar, and he was the chief instrument of the second theme that Iluvatar had raised up against the discord of Melkor. 
and he called unto himself many spirits, both greater and less. And they came down into the fields of Arda and aided Manway, lest Melkor should hinder the fulfillment of their labor forever, and earth should wither ere it flower. And Manway said unto Melkor, This kingdom thou shalt not take for thine own, wrongfully, for many others have labored here, do less than thou. And there was strife between Melkor and the other Valar, and for that time Melkor withdrew and departed to other regions, and did there what he would, but he did not put the desire of the kingdom of Arda from his heart. <laughs> it's so good. It's so well written. And this, I mean, I don't know. It's just <laughs> the, the language used, the the perspective here that like he goes off to some other place and does what he wants. And how many times in the stories do you have the, the dark Lord recede to some other place far away from where everybody else is and does their thing for a while and then comes back. I mean, the same theme happens again and again. I mean, what did Sauron do? Well, he disappeared for a while to some other place and he did what he wanted for a bit. And then he came back, you know, same kind of stuff over and over again. But that's, that's how it all starts. And even in the last few paragraphs of this section, it talks about how thus the Valar endeavored ever and despite Melkor, you know, fought back and they raised hills and mountains and Melkor destroyed them and they created valleys and Melkor made mountains and like that kind of stuff. And the last line here, the final line is, and thus was the habitation of the children of Iluvatar established at the end, in the deeps of time, and amidst the innumerable stars. Thanks for tuning in to another Lord of the Rings lore cast uh, thank you for being here for the first and the second episode the response to the show has been amazing thank you to everybody the um <laughs> well first of all i want to invite you guys if you haven't already to sign up for the patreon the bonus episode this week we'll be diving into more about the um the valar that i talked about this week and some of tolkien's thoughts on uh, Manway and connections to subcreation, Manway and his representation as the king of these spirits and connections to other mythology, uh, you know, people like Zeus and Odin, things like that. So if you're interested in kind of the, the more metatopic concepts, then um, please check out the Patreon. It's it's not very much money to sign up and you would get an extra episode every week. So that's something that you can sign up for. And um, actually, big thanks to our th we already have three Patreon subscribers. Holy moly. Uh, Tracy F, Larry and Josh S. Thank you for signing up on the Patreon. I didn't expect uh, to have anybody sign up already, but thank you. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's something that you guys um can do and it really means a lot to me this is this is my career podcasting is a career for me so every little bit helps and um it helps pay the bills and helps make this a full-time thing for me so very very much appreciated and um, another thing that really does help out is leaving ratings and reviews on apple podcasts or rating the show 
on Spotify. And already we've got two glowing reviews on Apple Podcasts. You guys are absolutely amazing and so supportive. So I'm going to read these out and this will be a, a recurring thing at the end of the show. So if if you do take the time to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, um, I, I will take the time to read it out as thank you. So the first one came in from Apollo 7391 in the United States who wrote, awesome dive into the mythology slash lore. As someone who has been a massive fan of Lord of the Rings for a good 30 years, I have to say this podcast is going to be awesome, especially based on episode one. Very few people who talk about Lord of the Rings start with the creation of the first beings, and out of those, very few do so with the knowledge that robots clearly has. 15 years ago, I'd have said someone would be hard-pressed to find something with which I wasn't familiar, so I can't wait to hear him talk about things I've forgotten or about things that I've never knew. Uh, There's no doubt that this podcast is going to lead its listeners on an amazing and epic journey through the unbelievably deep world that Tolkien created. I'm command. Nope. Wait, wrong universe. <laughs> Commander Shepard. He's a fan of the Mass Effect lore cast, too. He's, he's one of our uh, patrons over there. I cannot uh, give this podcast a high enough recommendation for anyone who has even passed interest, a passing interest in Middle Earth and its rich history. Five stars times 20. Wow. That's like 100 stars. Thanks so much, Paulo. And then we have this one from Seth A993 in the US who writes, finally, a Lord of the Rings lore cast. Been a fan of Lord of the Rings for a long time, but outside The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, I didn't know much uh, about the other lore. Tried to look up some of it on my own, but there seemed to be so much and I never really knew where to start. Glad to finally have a starting and can't wait to learn more. Well, I'm glad I could do that for you, Seth. Thank you to both of you guys for taking the time to do that. And thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening. Um, I can't wait to get to more of these topics, but I'm trying to keep myself to one episode a week otherwise i will uh i'll burn myself out <laughs> because i'll just i'll just be just so busy knocking everything out uh i guess i could do them ahead of time but i you know i'm gonna pace myself i'm gonna pace myself i'm gonna make this a regular thing i also can't wait to dive into the new series uh coming out in the fall i will definitely have some episodes up about that when that comes out and um thank you again to everybody who has been so positive about this show I really do appreciate it. And uh, just thanks for being here, guys. So until next time, just stay safe out there. And um, oh, and one last thing. I am raising money for support for uh, people in Ukraine who need medical help because that whole situation um, absolutely sucks. And I've been super bummed out about it. So I decided to uh, start a fund. It's an organization on uh, Tiltify that is 100% verified. They are raising money for medical supplies for people defending their homeland. And I, it's, it's a terrible situation. Um, I started out with a goal of 100 bucks. I was like, maybe our community can raise 100 bucks and I'll match that 100 bucks. We are already at, in just the last week, $529 raised. So if you would like to even donate five or 10 bucks and just go without a coffee one of these days, please check out the link in the show notes, or you can find it. uh, The link is also on the Robots Radio Discord in the announcement channel. And man, I can't believe how much you guys have been supportive of this. It really is amazing how much we've been able to raise so far. I'm just going to keep this going until... They're done raising money because people still need the money and the help over there. And so let's just see how much we can do. But thanks again to everybody for listening in. And until next time, when Melkor starts lighting things on fire, tell him no. Just bring some more extra spirits with you and kick him out. All right, everybody. We'll see you later. Thanks so much. And if you're a patron with uh, access to the extra episodes, I'll see you over there. Bye, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.